May the Lord bless you, all my dear brothers and sisters of different countries and places around the world, to all the brothers and sisters in South America who write to me, brothers and sisters in Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Bolivia, Chile, Ecuador, Peru, all of Central America, a special greeting to you, and Europe, and other places and some islands, a greeting to you all, and continue forward, do not be discouraged, do not lose heart. I know that you are missing prophecy. I know that you are a bit sorrow because you have the desire to congregate and hear the Holy Spirit and listen to the promises of the Lord. But we must be patient. We must persevere. Perhaps everything that is happening to us is a test, and God is testing us, and we must be steadfast. We must stand and continue forward, persevering. Perseverance, this is what God approves of. This is what God blesses. And so all my dear brothers and sisters from different countries and places around the world, May the Lord give you many blessings, and that may God be by your side and hear your prayers and all of your pleas and petitions, and that we gather up courage and move forward. Let us have that enthusiasm, for God is always by our side. He never has forsaken us or left us, but he does test us, and so we must pass those tests, those trials and moments of difficulty. And I also send a special greeting to all the people who don't congregate in our church and who are watching the teachings, people from different denominations, Christian denominations. I have found out that you are also listening to the teachings. And to you, I send you many blessings from the Lord. And I know God has many blessings for you in store. God has made a calling. God has a plan for every with everyone. And so at any appointed day, you'll see the results. And so a greeting to you all with great affection and also to the children because the children are also the followers of the Lord and they are that example that our Lord Jesus has given us that we need to have a heart of a child in regards to malice but of course be mature in the way we think and so to all the children a special greeting and a, and a warm hug to you all and today we are going to be honoring the Lord, glorifying Him. And before our teaching, before reflecting on the word of our Lord, we're going to sing to Him. We will be singing hymn 230, titled, The Cross is Not Greater. We will be singing with great joy, and we will be learning how to sing to the Lord. It is very good for us to learn and to memorize the hymns and the choruses, to sing to the Lord in the moment that we are praising Him. And so, hymn 230. The cross that He gave may be heavy, but it never outweighs His grace. The storm that I fear may surround me, but it never excludes his face. The cross is not greater than his grace. The storm cannot hide his blessed face. I am satisfied to know that with Jesus here below, I can conquer every foe. The thorns in my path are not sharper 
Then composed his crown for me. The cup that I drink, not more bitter than he drank in Gethsemane. The cross is not greater than his grace. The storm cannot hide his blessed face. I am satisfied to know that with Jesus here below, I can conquer every foe. The light of his love shineth brighter as it falls on paths of woe. The toll of my work groweth lighter as I stoop to raise the low. The cross is not greater than his grace. The storm cannot hide his blessed face. I am satisfied to know that with Jesus here below, I can conquer every foe. Glory and honor is for our God, and we thank the Lord. And the Lord knows that we sing to him with our heart, with all of our being. The very little that we do, we do for our God with much joy. He sees these things. And so today, we will be speaking of the Son of God or the Son of Man. We will be discussing that all human beings, all mankind, ought to honor the Son. For the Son is the way. He is the one who intercedes. He is the mediator. He is the truth. He is life. And through him, we will have eternal life. Through him, we will have everything in our physical, material life. We obtain it through the Son, the Son of God, or the Son of Man. The Bible mentions the Son of Man. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was teaching his gospel on earth, he said the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of scorners. And so the Lord expressed himself in this way in regards to himself as a son of man. And in parts of the Bible, we also find the Son of God, the Son. And we must believe and respect this teaching or this order from God of believing what he says. He taught that we must believe in the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Spirit. There are people who say, yes, we are believing in a God of three heads, and well, this is a lie. Others say, well, it's a trinity. Well, that's, that, that's also something that's incorrect to say, for we simply subject ourselves to the will and to the order of God. Everything God has ordered in the Bible to do, well, God wants man to submit himself to and respect value and not to question so much, not to ask so much, but only believe. Now, in the Bible, we find many verses where the Lord, he said, you and I, we are one. He said, the, fa the Father said to the Son, 
He said the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. The two are one. It speaks also of the Holy Spirit, and they are one. It is one God. And so we will begin to imagine how is it God works. Now, humanly, we say, okay, God behaves or works in three functions as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it is one God. Now, perhaps it's a mystery and we're not able to fully understand and comprehend, but we must believe and accept what God says. Now, there lies the blessing. That's where salvation and eternal life also lies, and the blessings God can give to human beings that limit themselves to only believing and not questioning and seeking so many theories and so many arguments and finding the truth and the explanation to things. Now, there are many things in the Bible, many things about God that have no explanation, and God doesn't explain it. Perhaps God left it up to the imagination of human beings, but we're not going to imagine nothing more than God allows, always respecting God and obeying His Word. And so today we will be discussing the title that I've given this is Honor the Son. Honor. Honor the Son, lest we perish in the way. Lest we perish in the way. That means, so those who do not honor the Son, those who don't believe in Him as the Son of God, as the only one, the only begotten Son of the Father, they will not attain eternal life. For those that believe, accept. And there they begin to please God. And along the way, they begin to fulfill the commandments of the Lord to do God's will. And in this way, they will attain eternal life, for God will be with the person. And so we will be discussing the Son, the Son of Man, the only begotten one of the Father, and some verses, not all, so that way we don't run out of time. Now we're reading in Exodus to start off. Here in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. It says, Moses, in Egypt, he was in Egypt at the time, and God had given orders to Moses, and God had told Moses to free the people of Israel from Egypt, bring them out of there, and bring them to the land of Canaan. So this was the work, a very heavy, hard work God gave to Moses. And God gave instructions to Moses and told him many things. And when God told Moses, free my people Israel, let us remember, the first one to arrive to Egypt was Joseph, who was, who was sold off by his brothers. And then Joseph had his family, his brothers, his father, come his nephews, all of them went to Egypt. They lived there for 430 years. Joseph died in Egypt. And in 430 years, the people of Israel multiplied. The families of Jacob all multiplied. There was about 70 people that first came, a family, just one family. And they all multiplied. And so when they went to leave Egypt, there were about 600,000 men without counting women and children, or the elderly. And God, to the people, he said, 
you are my son. Because God had told Jacob, let us remember that beautiful story, Jacob had a dream. And he saw visions and he saw a ladder that angels ascended and descended. And he said, well, this is the house of, of God. This is the gate of heaven. He prayed and he anointed an oil, uh, sorry, a rock with oil where he had slept. And God, through that revelation, began to speak to Jacob and said, Jacob, your, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your name will now be Israel. You are no longer Jacob. You are Israel. God, of course, Observing what was going to happen in those latter days in the future, the Lord seeing that this Jacob or this Israel in the future would become, would become the Messiah in the Savior, the Prince of Peace in the King of Israel, the perfect King of Israel who would rule to all eternity, a king who would have no end to his kingdom. So the Lord was looking at this son, his son. He looked at his son, and this is why he told Jacob, you are Israel, because from you, from your loins, from your genealogy, from your seed, will come the Messiah, the Savior, that Israel. And so God was seeing that Israel in the future as his son. And this is why God tells Moses, he tells Moses, when you go before Pharaoh and you stand before him, you go and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, the Lord, thus says the Lord, verse 22, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And so you see the way God speaks. Now, he didn't say, my people of Israel, it's over 600,000 without counting women and children. So the people of Israel is my son. They are my people. No, he said, my son, my firstborn. He spoke as if it was only one man, the people that were there. And this is why I repeat, it says, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And God threatened Pharaoh because he did not want to let the Israelites leave from Egypt. But the Lord did not say, it is my people. He said, it is my son, my firstborn. Now, later on, we will see why it said firstborn and not the only one. Now, the only one born of the father of course, we know is our Lord Jesus Christ. And in, as we continue reading, we will understand why firstborn and why only begotten. And so in this way, the Lord says this to Moses. And the story, of course, continues. And at last, Moses was able to free the people from Egypt. But today we are studying concerning the son, the son of man, or regarding the firstborn because we must believe in him. All of mankind must believe in him. All religions, they must accept that our God, religions who worship God, I'm, I'm speaking about that. I'm not saying or speaking of religions that worship the devil, those who follow the devil. I don't speak concerning them because they are the enemies. I speak 
for the followers of the omnipotent God, the God creator of the universe. The followers, those followers of all the different religions who call themselves Christians, I do advise you. Now, the teaching, I, I hope that you pay great attention to this so that you believe and value the Son, value the firstborn of the Father, that He is the same God. And so we will observe that later on. We must worship Him and honor Him, for He is the only way that leads to eternal life. If you have other theories, well, then you are mistaken, and you will not be saved. And so the only way is the firstborn, the Son of Man, the begotten one of our Lord, our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And now we continue in Isaiah. Let us now pass over to the prophet Isaiah. It is a little bit more than halfway through the Bible. After Psalms is Isaiah. You'll find Psalms, Proverbs, and then Isaiah, verse chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, he was sending a message to the people of Israel. He was sending a message to the people of Israel. They were now living in the land of Canaan. They were not enjoying the blessings that God had offered there in Canaan. They were suffering a lot. They were persecuted a lot and pressured by the other nations, by the armies of the other nations. But the Lord sent them messages by way of the prophet Isaiah so that they could repent. And God said to them, if you repent in the future, I have many blessings for you. And, we see, and this is what I have in store for you in the future. In verse 13, I'll read verse 13 first. Then he said, this is a prophet Isaiah, Hear now, me, now he was prophesying to the house of David, to Jerusalem, to the tribe of Judah. He says, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Meaning, you are doing what is wrong and you are offending our God. Verse 14, it says, Therefore, in the future... The Lord himself will give you a sign. And the sign will be, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now this was the promise God was giving them regarding the future. It was for the future, and this was the sign that when this virgin would have this son, that they must believe then that the moment had arrived for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the manifestation of the good tidings, the manifestation of the Son of God, of the firstborn of the Father. The moment had arrived for salvation through the gospel of our Lord. And it says here, the sign for you to believe is that the virgin will bear a son. She'll conceive a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, that is translated, Emmanuel is translated to God with us. For this word, this name, I think, is in Hebrew. And when it's translated in English, it means God with us. So, what is the meaning? Because here, it says that the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and 
His name will be Savior of the world. No, it doesn't say that here. Or his name will be the prophet, the last prophet, or one of the prophets. No, it says his name is God with us because it was God. God in this being, manifesting himself, manifesting himself to the world. This is why there is in some parts of the Bible that say God took flesh. He made himself a human being to dwell among men. Now we continue in chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9. Now we are highlighting, we are highlighting the Son, the Son of God. We are highlighting the Son of Man. In chapter 9, verse 6, it says, for unto us, now this is the same prophecy of Isaiah that he once again repeats to the people. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. So he was a king. He ruled. He was a princess as a child and then king as an adult. And it says in his name, now he changes his name here. His name will be called Wonderful. His name will be called Counselor, Mighty God. Now this is saying that this son, this child that would be born of that virgin, would be called Mighty God. Would be called Everlasting Father. Therefore, our Lord Jesus Christ, He never committed blasphemy, as in that time, the, the people, the Jews, they said that he was speaking blasphemy for saying he was the Son of God. They called him a blasphem. But this is the prophecy. Many centuries, many ages before, before our Lord Jesus Christ, there is the prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. And it says that this child will be born. And his name will be called, not Emmanuel, which of course, in this, in this instance, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. He is giving him the divinity that he is, that he is God. He is Eternal Father, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, pay great attention. Men and women who to this day believe that Jesus Christ was an ordinary man, that Jesus Christ just was another prophet, that he was just another prophet. No, that is blasphemy. That we call to blaspheme against God. We must give him his position. We must give him his place and the name God has given him from the beginning. God wanted it to be this way. God wanted to manifest himself to mankind. God wanted to manifest himself to men and women. Appearing here on earth as a man, an ordinary man, that is how powerful God is and how great he is and how loving and merciful that he made himself like any other man to be among people. That can only be done by God. And so we must value, we must respect, and we must give the dignity to the Son of God, the Son of Man the firstborn, the begotten one of our Lord. Give him that divinity. And it says in verse 7, 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and ever and forever. It says this, it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so value and memorize this verse. And once again, read chapter nine when you have a moment and reflect and you will see if you give the Lord the value and if you give the Lord the dignity he deserves, then we will have many blessings from God. Glory to our Lord. Let us go to Hosea. Hosea, which is after Daniel. After Daniel, we'll have the prophet Hosea. Here in Hosea, chapter 11. In verse 1. Now, these are also promises. The prophet Hosea also prophesied almost around the same time as the prophet Isaiah. And God used Hosea to also send messages to the people of Israel. And here in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, now the Lord tells them, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, what do you understand from this verse? Do you understand what this verse means? The Lord is saying when Israel was a child. That was the first thing that we read here in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. What a beauty this is. This child, Israel, was speaking of the group of people that were in Egypt. And God told Moses, free them out of Egypt. Bring my people out of Egypt. Now, Jacob, his name had been changed to Israel. So it was now the people of Israel. They needed to leave Egypt by the hand of Moses. So the Lord, he says, he was a child. And how very romantic these words are from God's behalf. How very loving when Israel was a child. It's such a beautiful way in which God speaks and expresses himself concerning his believers, who he loves. He says, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So I called my son out of Egypt. I said, come out of there. Moses, bring my people out of there. Bring Israel out because I need to bring Israel to live better. I have many blessings for Israel. But the Lord knew that Israel in the future, it was not so much the physical people of flesh and blood, but the Lord was observing that they were representing a perfect Israel. That perfect Israel is Jesus Christ. The son, the perfect son is Jesus Christ. He was the son who God would call out, would call out of Egypt. And this is why he said when he was a child. Now, how beautiful these words are. Now we continue in Matthew. Now let us go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, just a few books uh, further ahead, you'll find Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. Now, it brings us so much joy to read all of these things and how God treats human beings, how God treats those who he loves and loves him as well. 
This fills us with joy. It gives us optimism, and it gives us much joy. We forget about our problems and our hardships. Matthew chapter two, verse fifteen. And here in chapter two, verse fifteen, this was when our Lord Jesus Christ was born, and God revealed to some wise men the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God revealed this to the wise men. He did not want to reveal it to the tribe of、uh, Judah or Jerusalem. No prophet, nor priest, nor Jew. He revealed it to some wise men who had nothing to do with the people of Israel. And he revealed to them that the Messiah, the Savior, had been born. And so once this all happened, when Herod, King Herod, heard that the wise men was were saying that the King of Israel had been born. Right, the king of Judah had been born. King Herod, he said, "My competitor has been born. My competitor, this child cannot live, because well, then I would stop being king. And so, if the king has been born, I will not allow this. I will not allow him to take my place. And so, King Herod gave the order, the decree, that all children under two had to be killed, for he. He sort of thought of okay, what when did the wise men visit, and how old is this child now? He said all children under two need to be killed, and so they began to kill all the children under two. And God gave a dream to Joseph, the wife, the sorry, the husband of Mary, and told them to go to Egypt. They said flee to Egypt and remain there. For Herod wants to kill the boy. Go to Egypt until I tell you when you can return back. And so Joseph, he listened to that dream God gave gave him, and he went with Mary and the child, and they remained in Egypt, living there. And this is why, in verse fourteen. In verse fourteen, chapter two of Matthew, verse fourteen says, "When he arose, Joseph arose from his dream. He took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt." Verse fifteen, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Hosea, when it said, "Out of Egypt I called my son." When Hosea, when we read in chapter eleven, and it said, "And when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son." And so, once again, you see, the Lord called His son, His child, physically in the flesh. The people of Israel, by the hand of Moses, that was that physical son in the flesh that was symbolizing. It was the symbol of that spiritual Israel of His spiritual son. And so they came out, and once again here, history was repeated again with our Lord Jesus Christ. For now, his parents went with the child to live in Egypt, and then once again they came back. And it's so that this prophecy could be fulfilled that says, "Out of Egypt I called my son." For after this time went by, and when Herod died, God told Joseph, "Go back again to Jerusalem." For now. 
The danger has passed, and Herod has died. Who wanted to kill the child? Now, what do you think of this great beauty of how God works in people's lives? This is why we must believe in the Lord, trust in Him, love Him, love God, and submit ourselves to Him and do His will. And you will see God does great wonders with us as well. How beautiful it is! And now we continue in chapter thir- three, chapter three, verse seventeen, Matthew chapter three. Verse 17, now we're highlighting the Son of God, the Son of Man, the firstborn. Chapter 3, verse 17, and after everything, our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized, and John the Baptist baptized him. It says that when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, so a voice from heaven came, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. That voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. This is why when our Lord Jesus Christ said he was the son of God and the Jews said, well, you are speaking blasphemy and you are worthy to be killed for you are speaking blasphemy for trying to pass as the son of God. But he was not lying because this was the truth. The son of God. Our father, his voice spoke and said, this is my beloved son. Now we continue in Matthew 11, 27. Matthew 11, verse 27. And it says, Our Lord Jesus Christ here was speaking of the gospel. He was preaching his gospel. And he prayed to the Father in these verses. In verse 26, his prayer comes to an end and he says, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And so, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now, so the Son is the only one who knows the Father, and the Father is the only one who knows the Son. Why? Because the two are one. And it says, He, God, whoever he wants to reveal that to, he will do so. But they, both of them, are one. The Son is in the Father, and the Father is in the Son. And it is a great mystery. It is a mystery because we don't have the theories to say, well, it's because of this or that. But it's God. It's the power of God. God can make a stone stand and walk. He can make a stone speak. And God allowed animals to speak for a donkey to speak. So is that a mystery? It's not a mystery. For us, maybe it it is, but it is God's power. And for God's power, there is nothing that cannot be done be seen or take place and it has no explanation and now we continue in 16 Matthew 16 and we will be reading verse 16 and 27 Matthew 16 verse 16 and 27 
Now Peter is confessing the Lord because the Lord once asked his disciples, he said to them, but who do men say that I am? Or who do they say the Son of Man is? Because he identified himself as the Son of Man. He said, I am the Son of Man, and the Son of Man has nowhere to rest. The Son of Man will be persecuted. So he asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? Who do they say that I come from? Who do they say? What do they say? What do other people say? And so they all, one by one, some said, well, some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And so the Lord tells them, well, but you, my apostles, who do you say that I am? Who am I? And Peter, he answers. He says, you are the Christ which means king. The word Christ means king. He says, you are the Christ, or the king, the son of the living God. This is what Peter said to him. So Jesus answers and said to him, you know, Peter, no one revealed this to you. No human being revealed these things to you. God has revealed this to you. God has revealed to you that I am the King, that I am the Son of the living God. Glorified is the name of the Lord. And this is why I repeat and I invite all people who do not value nor respect the Lord Jesus Christ that please respect and value. For if on the contrary, you will be condemned for all life. And in this life, you will be condemned. Respect and value the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the son of God. He is God. Very well, we continue. Now we've read in 27. In verse 27. Now we're reading chapter 16. We read verse 16. Now we're reading verse 27. For the son of man, th these are words spoken by Jesus Christ. It says, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. This is what I'm saying. We must value, we must respect and honor the Son. Honor the Son so that lest we perish in this life, lest we perish in this life and then lose eternal life. It says he will reward each according to his works. So we must put aside all pride, all hardness of heart. Let us be humble and simple and lonely, and let us believe and accept, and you will see God will give more revelations to those humble hearts, to those simple hearts, those contrite and lowly hearts. God will never despise. He will bring them. He will exalt them. And so we must earn those blessings. Now let's continue in Luke. Luke. Luke chapter 8. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8, verse 28. Verse 28 says, Now, our Lord Jesus Christ is praying for people, performing miracles and signs and delivering many people that were possessed by evil spirits. And in verse 27, when he came on earth, he, they were sailing, and by the 
by the edge of the water, and they came to land, and there was a man when he stepped off, that there was a man who had been possessed by demons for a long time. And he came and stood before the Lord. And when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, this man full of demons, possessed by demons, he spoke to the Lord. And he said, this man, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. So the demons, they were speaking by the mouth of that man. This man was a victim. He was a slave, a prisoner of all of those demons. The demons had made their home in this man. So this man no longer had any sanity. He was completely demented. And so the demons were who were speaking for him. And the demons gave the dignity to the Lord. The demons knew who our Lord Jesus Christ was. They knew who he was and they gave him his dignity. And they said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? He says, I beg you, do not torment me. They ask the Lord not to torment them. So here we find. Now, this story, I do advise you continue to read all of this so that you learn all of these beautiful things that are written here. Because you might say, well, what happened to this man who was possessed? Well, the Lord freed him. The Lord rebuked all of those demons from this man's body, and this man was freed, delivered, and all of those demons left. And they asked the Lord a favor and said, Lord, let us go into a... There were many pigs. Let us go to those pigs and enter them, swine. Because we, if we, we need to be somewhere, if we're going to be out in the air, we're going to be tormented. So let us go into the swine that are there. And so the Lord said, okay, fine, go to that herd of swine. And so he, they did, and they entered within those swine that were there. They found their new home with the swine. And, well, the swine did not tolerate those very strong spirits, but they became crazy. They began, they began, became crazy and they all went into the sea and drowned. And so after that, the spirits were tormented again in the abyss where the Lord had sent them the first time. That is what happened. But here we're emphasizing and highlighting that these demons gave the Lord his dignity. They said, Jesus, the son of the most high God. Now let us go to John John chapter 3, in verse 16. Now we are discussing everything that relates to the Son of God, the Son of Man, the dignity of the Lord, and believing in Him, respecting Him, and valuing Him. Chapter 3, verse 16, when the Lord, or when our Lord Jesus Christ speaks to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus said, What do I need to do to attain eternal life? to be saved. And he said, you need to be born again. And he said, but how can I once again return to the womb of my mother and be born again? And the Lord Jesus said, that's not necessary. Only by you believing in the Son of God, by you believing in who is speaking to you, Jesus Christ, that is enough. 
You will be born again. You will be renewed, changed into a new person full of peace and holiness, virtues and qualities of happiness. And then you will have eternal life. That's what the Lord said. Verse 16, that after he tells Nicodemus all of these things and he told him to believe in him so that he could attain eternal life, he tells Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, here it speaks of his only begotten son. And in Egypt, when they left out of Egypt, it said, my firstborn. And so this says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, he was the only begotten Son of the Father. And when our Lord Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, because he is God, the only begotten of the Father is God, and God had no beginning, nor will he have an end. When he says, my only begotten son, it is because that firstborn means that there's others that come after. Now, this is the first, okay? If there's a first, it means that there needs to be a second. Because if the second doesn't exist, then you don't call it a firstborn, you call it the only begotten. And so when he said, my own, the firstborn, it's because there's more that come. I don't know if I should tell you now or later on when we're reading the verse that correlates to the firstborn. If I forget, please remind me. Or those who are here, please remind me. So that I do not leave out the explanation of the firstborn versus the only begotten. And so we continue here in Psalm, in Psalm 2. We're going now back to Psalms, for here we're speaking of the only begotten of the Father. Now we're going to speak of their firstborns in Psalm 2. In verse 7, which says, Psalm 2 speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 2 does speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, Why do the nations rage? Verse 1. And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. His anointed, meaning his son, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So let us destroy him. This is what people did. This is what the rulers and governors of that time did. They plotted against the anointed one of our God. In verse 4, it says, Our father 
He sits in the heavens. He will laugh, laugh at all of these great and mighty ones of the earth, those rulers and governors who plotted to destroy the only begotten of the Lord. And our Lord laughed, laughed and seen that human power was not going to be capable to come against him. He is our God. And he, with his power, what can he do with his power and with human beings? And with the breath of his nostrils, he destroys anything. Our God can do that. And so the Lord laughed in seeing these great rulers plotting against his people. And so the Lord will laugh. The Lord will mock them. Verse 4. He who sits in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Now, here in verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Now, that holy hill of Zion, we know we've said that it is in reference to the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, made up of many men and women from all around the world that will convert to him. That is that holy hill, that's Zion. And so the Lord says, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. And I will declare the decree, verse 7, I will declare the decree, and the decree is, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. You are my son. Today, or today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel, for you will have the power to do so. But let us stop here in verse 7, where it says, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. What did the Lord begot? What did he conceive? Now, if we're going to speak of the only begotten? No, because we know that the only begotten one of God is our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is God, and there's no beginning or end to him. And where we're going to speak of if, if his firstborn, when the Lord told Moses, let my people go, my son, my firstborn, that was in regards to the people and also in reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. So if there was a firstborn, it was because there were many others to come later on. And well, truly, that was the case. The firstborn of God being same God. Now, when he says, I have begotten you, what did he conceive in that moment? Well, his flesh. Now, when Mary, when she conceived, she conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will cover you and you will conceive and bear a son. You will have a son. And so, what did God conceive or what did he begot? The flesh. In Mary's womb, a life began. A life began to take shape, and he used Mary and her components, or I don't know the medical terminology for this, to be able to grow and to nourish in the womb, Mary's womb all of the essence of human beings he took on as any other human being that was going to be born. And he was born like all other human beings are born, and he was born flesh and blood, those normal components in the body. And he behaved and lived as a human. That is what the Lord conceived and he begot in Mary's womb. 
Now that human piece or that side that he conceived, that's what he calls my firstborn. And after him come others. So the others are all of the followers of that firstborn. So Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he begins to preach his gospel. He begins to speak and his followers, those who believe in him, they follow him and seek him. So the Lord, he says, I forgive your sins. I will give you eternal life. I will help you so that you sin no more and you keep the commandments. And so gathering all of these requirements, you will attain eternal life. And so then a great church will be formed of many men and women who will convert from the north, the south, the east, and the west, all over the world. They will convert and there will be many people. And so I will be the eldest brother and all of my believers my followers will be my brothers and sisters. So you are my brethren. And so the Lord said, okay, as you are the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, all the believers and all those who follow you are my children. So this is why the Lord, to his followers, he gave them the title of the children of God. Some days ago, we spoke of the children of God, but know that the children of God, they do not practice sin. They live the life that Jesus Christ of Nazareth lived as a man. He lived as a man, but he overcame everything and never sinned. And he said, it is possible. So you, those who believe in me, you will also stop sinning and it is possible. You will live a holy life. You can do that. And so this is the firstborn. What was his flesh? his physical matter. He's the firstborn in that suffering and the tribulations, the sacrifices and not sinning anymore and living as a human being and suffering. And so all of his followers then are the children of God as well. And so the firstborn, he is the eldest brother among all many brothers and sisters, but all according to the flesh here. But the only begotten of God had no birth. This is why we cannot say that the baby Jesus was born or God has been born or the father has been born. That's incorrect to say he had no beginning, nor does he have an end. What was born was flesh, a piece of flesh God took on. And from there he formed a man. That was what was born. And the followers, as we too are flesh and blood, we're human beings. Well, he said that we are his children as well. This is the difference between the firstborn and the begotten of the Father. And our Lord Jesus Christ, well, he has those two titles. He has those two titles for when he behaved as a man on earth, he did not want to work his divinity as God. He did not put that into function. He remained still and only behaved as a human being so that he could prove whether or not you could stop sinning or to see to what point your body can resist a sacrifice, a pain, sadness. He did everything in order to tell men and women that it is possible, that no one has any justification and think of something else because it, it can be done. You can live a holy, upright life without sin. It can be done. You can be a son or daughter of God. And so I hope this is clear regarding the firstborn and the only begotten. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ, regardless, he ordered and said that he must be given his dignity, his divinity as the son of God, as the only begotten, he must be honored. 
And now we go to Hebrews. Let us go to Hebrews. It is the New Testament. Now, many ages here after Psalms, many, many years later, here in Hebrews chapter 1, concerning, what does it say concerning the Son and the Lord? Hebrews 1, 2, verse 2. Or we'll read in verse 1 here. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, for now this is speaking of the future, these last days, spoken to us by his Son, his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Now we are speaking of the Son, and not the firstborn, but we're speaking of his divine side, whom he had appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. So this is saying his son, he also participated when the world was, or the universe was created. In verse 10 of Hebrews, chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. Now the apostle is speaking and giving many different advice to the believers advising them to live a holy life, perfect life before God, that they should not regress and turn back and to sin again. In verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, so after receiving that change of life, that deliverance and the forgiveness of sins, it says there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, meaning a sacrifice from the Lord for the sins that we commit. It's impossible now. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment, a punishment awaits. Verse 27, this is what awaits us if we turn back, if we regress. He is giving advice to those who have known the path of God, those who call themselves Christians and who walk in God's truth, well, then they need to stop sinning. They cannot commit any sin. And people ask, well, what is sin? You speak so much about sin, but I don't know what it is. That's what people have written to me. And so sin, I'm going to mention what it is. Adultery, fornication, murders, envy, vengeance, uh, lies and cons, deceits, covetousness, malice, etc., etc., thefts, kidnappings, all of that is sin. All of it, pride, mur uh, complaining, greed, all of that, 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 those are sins. And so we need to no longer practice those sins with the help of God. He helps us because I accept, I honor the son of God. I honor the son of God. I believe in him and he begins to change me, to change my heart, to change my flesh and remove all that sinning tendency, drug addiction, murders, all of those things. They are things that are in the flesh and they push you to do what is wrong and evil. And so the Lord 
He frees us. He cleanses us from that. And we stop sinning. We convert and we become children of God. And once we have been cleansed and we're holy and we're living an upright life, we're no longer sinning. And someone that maybe has the whim and the stubbornness to think, okay, I'm going to regress and turn back and go back to my old life. I'm going to continue on drinking, getting drunk and, and back to my drug addiction. So what does, what the Lord does at that point is punish them. He punishes them because first he gave them a great opportunity. The person didn't continue in the path. And so the Lord says he now punishes them. This is what this chapter is saying. And so in verse 28, anyone who has rejected Moses' Moses's law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So they have a death sentence. Those who reject Moses' law, they die without mercy. And now the apostle compares the law of Moses with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the Son of God, with the firstborn of the Father. He says, so if someone who rejects the law of Moses has a death sentence, of how much worse punishment, verse 29, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has trampled the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? And so... Think very carefully. Be very careful. You who say you are Christians. You who say, I read the Bible. Well, we read the Bible. We sing to God. We are Christians. We are taking up so many places because we have a band together and that we dance and sing. But how is your life? Are you valuing the Lord Jesus Christ as God? He is God. He is the Son of God. He is God Himself. He is the Son of Man. Do you believe in that? The Holy Spirit is manifesting Himself in your life. Are you seeking the spiritual gifts so that God may begin to dwell in your heart? All of these things are needed. Because if not, on the contrary, what this is saying is that you trample the Lord by not believing. And with the sins that are committed, you trample the Son of God underfoot. And it says we must honor the Son, to, lest we perish in the way. And now here we continue in 1 John. 1 John. Now this is now, now getting close to Revelation. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Now, this is near Revelation. Before Revelation is John. There's Judas, Jude, sorry, and then John. John chapter 4. What, first John chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. And we are speaking of honoring the Son of God, the only begotten of the Lord, the firstborn, so that we do not perish in our way, in our life. Verse 14. And we have seen, we'll start in verse 13, the apostle, he's speaking in general terms saying that God is love and God has so much love and mercy and patience with people, with human beings. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him, meaning God. 
and he in us. Because he has given us of his Holy Spirit, of his Spirit. Now, this is what I was saying. We must ask the Holy Spirit. We must ask for the spiritual gifts and the manifestation of the Spirit so that we have this following that we have in the Lord complete in its fullness. And we have seen, verse 14, and we have seen and testify, John was speaking and saying that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. So the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that, now whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. He abides in that person. And that person abides in God. And so, Look at the key of being a true Christian, of being a true son or daughter of God, a follower. Because not all those who say, I am a son of God or a daughter of God, it's, is it true? You need to sit down and reflect, who have you believed in to truly consider yourself a son or daughter of God? And how is this life that you are living? And so whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. In 1 John chapter 5, now let us move to chapter 5, verse 1. In chapter 5, verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, or having believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as the Savior of the world. Verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. This is he who came, or this is who overcomes the world. In verse 12, in verse 12, it says, He who has the Son has life, meaning eternal life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. And so, analyze who have you believed in? What is your religious belief? And care for your life and your soul and make an effort to find God's truth and to attain eternal life. For in the Bible, you will not find any other path other than the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the King, the Savior, the only way. In the Bible, you will not find nothing else And in the thousands of religion, no matter how thousands exist, no one will have the reason, the true reason concerning eternal life. Because they are all just confusion. What people will find in their own religion that they have made up, 
And so the matter is not so much following traditions as people say, well, I need to follow the tradition of my ancestors. I need to follow the tradition of my parents, my family. No. Do not follow traditions. Discover the truth. Discover it with the Bible. I know that there are other books. And there are books and there are religions that deny the Bible. There are religions that deny the Bible. But how do they live? What experiences do they have with God? None. They don't have experiences with God. They have never seen the hand of God. They have never seen a miracle, a wonder made by the hand of God. They have never lived nor experienced the peace and joy in their being nor the protection from God's behalf when we need God to protect the life of a person. They've never lived it. They've never experienced it. And so they are outside of the Bible and they don't have these things. This is why we need to pick and choose the best things for us. And even if they put down the Bible, this is where you find the truth. The truth for the whole entire world. There is no other book. There is no other religion. So if you love yourself, if you esteem yourself and value yourself, reflect and change. Seek the truth. Pray and ask God to reveal things to you and show you and you will see God will manifest himself in your life and if you do so wholeheartedly with sincerity to God, he will manifest and teach you. Here in verse 12, we have already read, he who has the Son has life and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life and now here in verse 20, it says, or rather 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. How sad that is that the whole world is ruled by the devil, by the wicked one, by the wicked one. This is very sad. Now we are fighting here to fight for that path of God and to have God with us. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And well, we are in his Son. He is what is true. And we are in him who is true and his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Glory to our God. I invite you to seek Seek the path, the true path, the true way. Seek this path that is not so far. Here in the Bible is where you find it. And in your heart, it will help you a lot because you will be sincere. You will cry out to the Lord with sincerity and say, I want to find you. Teach me the path. I don't want to believe other religions. I want you yourself to teach me. And if you do so, sincerely, God will hear you. God will grant this desire of yours, this petition. And those who are not so, un or those who are unbelieving and so hard of heart will read the Bible and you'll find the answers there. Our God lives. Our God is by our side. He is very near us. He is close by. So now let us pray to the Lord. And let us cry out to him, call out and ask for mercy and honor the Son, and let us believe in the only begotten of God, 
that firstborn who behaved as a man, who was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We consider ourselves brothers and sisters of our Lord. Why? Well, because all of us gathered together, we make up the church. And the church is a body. And that body has a head. That body, it is us, the believers, and the head is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is why I said, that this is why the Lord called him his firstborn. Because the Lord said his followers will also be my children. And this is why I call him firstborn and the others are my children as well. The glory and the honor is for the Lord. Praises be to our God forevermore. O Holy Father, Heavenly King, glorious you are. You, glorious is your name and praises be to your name and glorified be your name forevermore. Blessed Lord. Our God, you made us with your mighty hand. We are the work of your hands. And I tell you, Father, in you we have placed all trust. In all, in, in all, there needs to be trust and must believe and wait in my power. Believe and wait in my power, in my manifestation, for I will be man manifesting myself to each one. I will manifest myself to each person. I will give to each according to their works. And to many I will bless. And to many I will give progress, triumph, and joy. But there are also many who have stopped following my footsteps. And in that path of perfection, many have gotten tired and have been left on the side. Many have turned back. And when they have desired and wanted to once again retake the path and move forward, they have lost many blessings because they have regressed and lost the blessings. But I will once again take them back and reestablish them. Although the lost blessings will not be recovered, I will give other comforts, other joys. I will take away sadness and worry. And there are many that feel forsaken, feel sad and afflicted because their loved ones have passed away and they're sad and they're worried because death has arrived by surprise. But this is my will. Each one had their appointed day, and the day arrived. And that was the appointed day. Do not feel sad, because there are many that cry out to me and speak and say that there has been injustice in the way that they have gone away, in the way that they have died, their loved ones have died. They have been taken away from their hearts, from their lives. They have been yanked from their bosom, and they are, there has been sadness, but do not be worried. I will give you joy. I will give you strength. I will give you life and vigor. And I will show you my ways, my salvation. And I will allow you to see the benefit, the benefit of death before life. Because those who say to suffer and to be tormented have not known peace or joy, but I want you to know my path, know my works, and to know that death is better than life. But there are many that need to live, need to live, and others say they want to live to serve, to do what is right.
all of them who desire, who desire to do the best things in life, I will be attentive to your prayers, to your desires, your longings and your thoughts and your reflections, for you are reflecting. You reflect a lot. Some don't know what to do. Is this good or is this bad? What path shall I take? Where will I go? And you're always speculating concerning your lives, but do not have all of these torments. Cry out to me in prayer, ask in prayer, and seek. Seek and learn. Learn the knowledge of the doctrine and reason with righteousness, and you will see how you will find the answers to all of your thoughts, all of your questions, all of your sorrows. Do not worry. For all that has passed and all that is happening, it is because I have so willed it. It is my will. Therefore, I say that I will be testing many. And there are many who have left the way and have followed their own thoughts. And they have stopped seeking me and have began to live the pleasures of their life and their world. And so, for all of these things, the devil has been attentive and abusing and taking advantage of the circumstances and the weaknesses of some to cause each person to fall and to harm. And so all prayers are important. It is important that you pray, that you call out, and you be sincere, that you do so with a sincere heart and seek sincerely, and you will see how I will be there to bless and I will give peace and joy. I will be giving revelations and dreams and I will be showing many beautiful things to those who have lost their loved ones. Do not worry. I will be revealing many things to you and you will be joyful and happy. And so you will give thanks for what has happened. For you ignore and do not know the things that were to come. And so do not be worried. Do not feel alone or forsaken. You will not lack anything for I will provide I will provide to those who are in need. Pray with faith. Ask with faith and continue forward. Do not suffer. Do not worry. And take away all the sadness for very soon. Joys, triumph, and victory. Changes, positive changes are coming. Many blessings. Do not worry. The church will continue. The congregations will once again be in function. And so do not worry. Do not feel bitter because there are many who are thinking that it all has come to an end and that the end of all existence has come to the world and for all, that everything has come to an end. But I will be cleansing, healing, and delivering hearts and in the conscience of many. For the devil takes advantage of this opportunity to sicken people, to make you sick mentally, and making you think and make decisions that you should not make. Continue firm and steadfast. Pray to me and I will be free and delivering, cleansing, giving joy to many hearts. Many blessings are coming for all. Oh, blessed Almighty God, thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Lord, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, I pray, my Father, that you extend your hand, Lord, that you be comforting, that you give joy, and peace as you have promised that you give strength strength lord to all people all people who have lost their family members their loved ones that you give them joy that you give them those revelations 
that you've mentioned that you said that you're going to show them and that they will be happy when they know the truth and the reality of all that has happened. Oh, Holy Father, there is nothing impossible for you. We know that you are capable of all things. If you want to, Lord, you can do it, for you are our God. Blessed is your name. We praise you. We bless you. Bless all people who are discouraged or sad or worried. Those who want to turn back, help them. Break those ties of the enemy, those chains, and free all, Lord. Give healings and deliverance, for there are many people that are sick. Their physical bodies are very sick of different illnesses. Lord, you know this, and you know each person. Extend your healing hand and heal, cleanse, and deliver. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, thank you, my Lord. The honor and the glory be for our God. Glory to the Father, glory to the Son, glory to the Holy Spirit. Blessed is the Lord now and evermore. Amen. Glory to our God. And we will be singing chorus number 78, titled, The Joy That Fills My Heart. And that joy that fills our heart, may it never go away. May it never run out, because sometimes our flesh can feel tribulation for any given thing. For example, now with the death of many loved ones. There are families, members that have passed. People are worried. But that joy in our heart, in our soul, it never runs out. And this joy is what we have. For God is with us. And he gives joy to our being. No one will take away the joy that fills my heart. For it will know no end. It will go on and on and on. No one will take away the joy that fills my heart. For we will know no end. It will go on and on and on. Give me joy, peace, and love. Send them, Lord, from above. Take me beyond the sunset when days are gone. Give me joy, peace, and love. Send them, Lord, from above. Take me beyond the sunset when days are gone. Glory to our God. Thanks be to our God. Thanks be to the Lord for comforting us, for speaking to us so beautifully. And we wait and we trust in his promises and for the Lord to fulfill very quickly what he has promised. May my God bless you all. I love you in the Lord. Many hugs and many kisses to you all. Thank you.